Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Jim McGregor. And I'm Kevin Creole. And today we're going to discuss the impact of the China-U.S. trade dispute on the tech industry and likely outcomes. If you haven't been watching, this is just getting uglier and uglier. Just when we think, matter of fact, Wall Street a few weeks ago was just hoping that there'd be a resolution between this trade dispute and then things went haywire um, with uh, more acqui- more accusations and limitations, especially in the tech industry against companies like Huawei, Chinese companies like Huawei. And now the Chinese threatening to retaliate with rare earth materials. And if you're not familiar, that does impact the tech industry. Some of those rare earth materials are used in everything from batteries to semiconductors to you name it. So it is very, very important. And it's not just uh, rare earth materials in coming from China. Some of the companies here, even in the United States, are, are owned, they dig for rare earth elements, and, and uh, are actually owned by Chinese uh, ventures. So yes, yeah. the whole situation is getting worse and worse. I think everyone had kind of expected a resolution relatively shortly, especially going into an election year. It would be best for, uh, especially this current administration, to show some positive gains and show an uptick in the economy going into a election period. But... Things just seem to be spiraling out of control. And it's interesting because, you know, Kevin, you know, I've, I've worked with Huawei in the past. And I've worked with some of these Chinese companies. And quite honestly, I can't think of a tech industry or a tech company that doesn't have facilities or resources in both China and the U.S. anymore. China, the U.S. and Europe, for that matter. But I'm seeing very little real data or real... Um, well, that seems to be what's missing, you know. There definitely seems to be an issue where there's a lot of accusations flying back and forth, but there's not a lot of proof. There's not a lot of... Now, you know, there's a lot of accusations that a number of Chinese companies have played fast and loose with IP from other uh, non-Chinese companies, uh, United States included. And that's more or less, I think there's there's probably some evidence here and there, but I never a, a full case been presented to... Uh, to people to see that you know this is an ongoing problem, but it it really I think it comes down to a, a attempt to slow the Chinese juggernaut that has been their high growth economy, and I think this is a people who are actually using this excuse to throw wrenches at the the Chinese economy to slow it down. Well, I also think this is an effort to try to open up the Chinese economy. If you're not familiar with doing business in China. You can't, as a foreign company, do business there without a joint venture with a local company. So that requires you to basically form a joint venture and a lot of times open up your IP portfolio to Chinese entities, which has been an issue with the loss and theft of some IP over, um, over the past 30, 40 years. However, Chinese companies, while we've been blocking them from buying U.S. companies and in some cases doing business in the U.S., a lot of them have found a workaway around it. They just start a business in the U.S. I mean, some of the AI startups that we track every day are Chinese companies, Chinese, really Chinese companies, but they're based here in the U.S. So I think a lot of this, I think one of the resolutions that, you know, if it's going to come out of this is going to be opening up both markets, opening up our market to the Chinese companies, but also opening up the Chinese market to U.S. companies without having to do those joint ventures. Yeah, well, I mean, part of the 
the concern, especially wrapped around Huawei uh, in particular, is concern that because Huawei had some ties to the Chinese government and the Chinese military, that there could be, you know, spyware or other backdoors in Huawei equipment, either smartphones or networking or communication equipment. But if anything, the 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 backdoors have really been mostly on U.S. based companies <laughs> have been proved that were, were like NSA backdoors that that companies like Cisco had to provide. I don't think actually the uh, there's never been really proof that any of the Huawei equipment does have backdoors that the Chinese can access. And even so, that's that's been this sort of a scare tactic I think people have used against Huawei. Well, it's interesting because I talk to people about what this company is and who this HUA and WEI, well, you pronounce it Huawei. If you don't know them, they are the largest communications infrastructure provider in the world. They are now the second largest handset manufacturer in the world. And the only reason we don't see them here in the U.S. because they were about to sign deals last year with AT&T and Verizon is because the U.S. government basically stepped in and said no. So they are a very, they've got a lot of technical prowess. And I have to give them credit where credit's due. I mean, they've, they have some fantastic technology and fantastic products. They do design their own chips. A subsidiary called HiSilicon builds uh, their own chips for their smartphones. They also use Qualcomm chips as well. But as part of this campaign against Huawei by the U.S. government, companies like Arm have stopped working with Huawei engineers to develop uh, new chips and, and, and transfer new technology to Huawei. This is going to slow uh, Huawei's ability to, to keep up with the, the rest of the marketplace. Even the IEEE recently announced that they are excluding uh, contributions from Huawei engineers to, sta- uh, to reviewing standards. And this is, it's really become quite a uh, blockade of, of, of uh, you know, access to Huawei and Huawei's access to technology uh, that has any basis here in the United States. Well, unfortunately, the impact of these disputes doesn't end there. The Chinese government has obviously instructed Chinese companies to look elsewhere for technology partnerships and IP, anything outside the U.S. whenever they can and or develop it in-house. We're seeing fractured relationships in other areas. We've seen one with AMD in their joint venture, although it's not clear what, what's caused that or what the result is. Um, and this could have long-term implications. You know, it's easy to look up and when you're a politician, say, okay, well, the trade dispute's over. Well, the damage is done. This could be a very long, this not only could impact the innovation and partnership and relationships in what really is a global industry, it could impact overall global growth going forward. And, you know, there's already concerns about a recession. Yeah, it it certainly will hamper trade between the two countries. And, the tariffs that will be applied to Chinese uh, uh, or Chinese-built equipment coming to the United States is going to get passed on to consumers. So uh, eventually, consumers will pay higher prices for this technology. The other thing that this is going to spur within China is a push even faster for independent technology solutions. China has already indicated that it wants to be technologically independent of the West. I think they said a 2024 timeline, but the fact that the United States can arbitrarily cut off access to Western technology, in fact, things like um, Android, Google will not be able to, they will not be able to access 
Google's version of Android directly is another indication of control that the West has over this, the ecosystem. And that's going to, I think, spur a more development within China of its own ecosystem that's independent of the West. This may also apply to ARM. I mean, the fact that ARM is cut off working with uh, Huawei because of this dispute means that you know ARM is also under the purview of uh, the U.S. government in this regard. And uh, that may spur a more independent architecture within China. Well, it's important to note that this doesn't just impact our access to China or China's access to Western technology. But you have to remember that these China Chinese vendors sell into a lot of other countries, you know, worldwide. They're all worldwide companies, but they have a huge influence on Asia. So whether that's, you know, um, other countries in Asia or even extending over to the Indian subcontinent and stuff like that, this could have huge implications for, you know, how, how and where companies can play going forward. Yeah, I mean, one of the impacts that the Trump administration is trying to create is to move more manufacturing into the, back to the United States, I should say. But actually, I think where the, the manufacturing is going to move to will be other countries like India, Vietnam, Mexico, other countries with uh, low-cost you know, manufacturing areas, not necessarily back to the United States. It's potential that at some point in time, or manufacturing will come back to the United States. But just pushing it out of China doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's going to come straight here. No, that's right. We're only good at manufacturing capital-intensive solutions, you know, something where computers and machines do it, not humans. Even, even when you look at the Amazon warehouses, <laughs> they're using humans as little as possible and using machines as, as much as possible. Well, that happens to the automobile industry when they went, they automated most of the construction work. There's relatively few people involved in uh, manufacturing. Most of them in automotive, automotive manufacturing. Most of them are oversights uh, or oversee the, uh, the robots. So unfortunately, even if we get a settlement out of this, you're still looking at trying to flip a switch back on that's been turned off for a long period of time. It's going to have... Definitely, I think we're already seeing impact on the global economic growth, and I think we will over the next couple of years. But I think it impacts our potential growth for both Chinese and U.S. companies for the next decade or more. Well, the one other area where it could have an impact as well is on mergers and acquisitions. You know, to some extent, you know, there were Chinese money has been forced out of some of the mergers and acquisitions, but the Chinese government still, uh, their FTC still has a lot of influence on the final approval process for these mergers acquisitions. I mean, it was just announced that uh, Infineon is going to be purchasing uh, or wants to purchase Cyprus. It's a, it's a big $10 billion acquisition. Well, at some point in time, that's got to get approved by the Chinese government. And the Chinese government, just like they did with Qualcomm when it tried to buy NXP, can just keep dragging this thing out until the uh, uh, until the, the deal no longer makes any sense uh, or, or uh, the parties bail on the deal. So we haven't even seen that impact yet. Well, I think we've seen a delay in or a definitely reduction in the number of acquisitions. Um, a lot of companies sitting on the sidelines. They've got plans, but they don't want to really execute on them knowing that uh, the Chinese and or the U.S. could be able, could shut down plans. Uh, ironically, which still amazes me, Xilinx acquired a company around AI last year, a Chinese company. 
But that's kind of the odd one out. Everyone else is trying to stay away from any large positions right now for fear that it may stoke political uh, fire. Well, or be the victim of a political fire. Well, this is definitely something that we as Terrius Research are taking a hard look at and continue to monitor because it, it, the longer it goes on and the, and the more that, the, the higher the tension, the more it impacts the high-tech industry. So it's definitely a huge concern to everyone. Yeah, uh, in, in general, we believe in free trade between uh, these countries and we don't believe in tariffs. Uh, tariffs are, are uh, I think, counterproductive over the long term. But hopefully they're just a short-term issue and that we can uh, move beyond this relatively quickly. With that, it brings us to a wrap of another Tyrius cast. Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem, from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and even marketing strategies. And if you'd like more information about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly. I'm Kevin at TyriusResearch.com, and Jim is at Jim at Tyrius Research, and that's T-I-R-I-A-S Research.com. And you can visit our website, TyriusResearch.com. We just spelt it for you. And please keep up with us on social media. Corporate site is at Tyrius Research, and I'm at Crewell for me, and at Tech Strategist, T-E-K-S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-S-T, for Jim McGregor. I'm sorry, the T-E-C-H was taken. I had to do the (laughs) (laughs) T-E-K. And please contact us if you have any uh, feedback uh, or topic requests. Thank you for joining, and look for more information on this and other topics in future Tyrius Casts. (laughs) 